0: Hi, I'm Sean Stanley, head of the Globe Content Studio at The Globe and Mail. I'm also host of a new podcast called Industry Interrupted. We're looking at how traditional business sectors are being disrupted. From law to agriculture to finance, what's forcing change in these industries? And what does it mean for the Canadian economy and you as a consumer? Find the latest episodes of Industry Interrupted on your favourite
1: podcast platform.
0: This episode of I'll Go First is brought to you by Acura leading the way in auto innovation for over 30 years. Keep listening to discover how Acura sees things differently in the pursuit of precision-crafted performance. How are you? (laughs) Like the radio voice, right? Great! (laughs) This is going to be a great show.
1: Hi, I'm Takara Small, and this is I'll Go First from the Globe and Mail. This is not your Average Tech Podcast. We're going beyond the headlines and behind the million-dollar deals to chat with innovators and industry trailblazers. On this episode,
0: Uh, hi, my name is Sasha Darius Machdehedi, and I am the CEO of Buns Trading Zone. Buns started as a Facebook group where people were uh, using it to barter with each other and connect with the community locally. Uh, It has since evolved into an app where people still barter and also has an element of cryptocurrency associated with it called BITS. BTZ stands for Buns Trading Zone. And people can use that currency peer to peer as well as at uh, about 250 stores across Toronto, Ottawa, Vancouver, uh, Montreal, and Hamilton.
1: Buns. that's Buns with a Z friends, is the online Canadian swap group that started out as a side hustle in Toronto, but has become a global giant that trades everything from transit tickets to furniture and even food. Sasha oversees the company's trade zones and he's an active user. Part of what really draws him to Buns is the digital community. Offline, however, he's a guy who dislikes online dating and spends his free time woodworking and building homes from scratch. And yet he's definitely a techie because he's also one of the masterminds behind the startup's unlikely foray into crypto. Today, I talked to him about how the millennial company is finally growing up, the future of bartering for goods, and why privacy is the new currency. Here's our conversation. How did you end up at Buns?
0: So uh, I was working at TD Bank Financial Group. I was working in a number of technology roles there, designing solutions. And I was really feeling like I wanted to do something that I thought would have like, a really valuable impact for people I knew. And I built this app called Shuffle at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was really focused on creating better distribution of goods at a localized level. That was the goal. It was a bartering exchange where Mm -hmm. people could post things that they weren't using anymore. Uh, And the kind of serendipitous thing that happened was a common friend of Emily, who's the original founder of the Facebook group, introduced us. And we immediately thought, like, this is really amazing that we're both working on the same things. At the time, Buns was one Facebook group with about 5,000 people or just a little under 5,000. And now it's like well well over 1.3, 1.4 million people across like 200 groups and like 200 cities in the world, yeah. uh, and the app has like 250,000 users on it. Uh, last year alone, to give you some context of how effective that has been, is uh, we did a million trades completed when we had uh, just bartering.
1: Yeah,
0: and four months ago we launched our currency, and we're already cresting a million transactions in just the first four months. But yeah, so that's how I became involved with Buns and Emily and I. Kind of, uh, we still work together, but we had some two really firm rules we you know shook hands on and said like these are the two things we're not going to break the rules on. One of them was no cash in the zone. And then the second piece was making sure that if we are, as a company, if we're going to make money, the community benefits first.
1: So, how is Buns different from Kijiji or Craigslist?
0: So, it's really community focused. Um, There's a lot of social elements that happen on the application as well as the Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. Um, Buns is really focused on bartering things and trading things. Or, you know, a lot of them are recently, uh, only recently, starting to introduce profiles and trust and the idea of reviews. Buns has that. Uh, So, Buns has always kind of stood out Mm -hmm. uh, in that regard. There are people who've done north of, you know, a thousand transactions. Transactions on the app. So there's a lot of peer to peer kind of positive and sometimes negative um, feedback on each other. Right. Uh, so I think there's a level of accountability and trust in that in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is there? Well, obviously our, our currency bits is very yeah. different than uh, yeah. anything we've seen ever,
1: which I found interesting. I found it was an interesting pivot. From buns, and I had not something I ever saw coming.
0: I wouldn't even call it a pivot. I would actually call it like a natural because we, we created a, evolution. Yeah, maybe? yeah, and mm. I think like we created a bartering economy, and then the classical issues associated with bartering economies are things like value disparity issues, yeah. medium of exchange issues, divisibility of goods issues. And in 2017, when we did about a million transactions, what ended up happening was like we started to see a decline in the, the circulation of goods because these types of issues is like you know you don't have what I want or my item's worth more than yours or even like fraud with gift cards or whatever it may be. These types Mm -hmm. of new issues arose out of having an at-scale bartering community. And so it was necessary to create a medium of exchange to continue to allow that benefit to be realized by everybody. Mm -hmm. And so it was actually a really logical thing. The only difference is that uh, we really didn't want to use dollars, traditional dollars to do that because we wanted to make sure that if we introduced a currency, it had the capabilities we needed or the inherent characteristics it needed to have to be effective way for us to give users value first.
1: Yeah. And so with a digital currency, though, there comes a lot of obstacles that one could face. And I think just in recent months, we've seen cryptocurrency just walloped yep. in a way that not many people would have seen coming. So how do you guys deal with that?
0: So we're, we're different than most of your typical listed cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Um, we are a cryptocurrency. It's bits is an ERC two two three. You can mm-hmm. look it up on Ethereum mainnet or Etherscan if you're technical. Yeah. The difference is we're a stable coin, so we actually back our treasury with dollars. And uh, we're not listed on an exchange, so no. we don't have speculation affecting the value of the token at the mm-hmm. moment. So there's a lot of ways it's different. I think also you can't buy bits right now. There's mm-hmm. no way you can go buying bits. The only thing you can do is- Just acquire it. Acquire it through the application yeah. and use it with each other. Or yeah. you could list your jacket or something and get bits for your jacket, but that's the closest you can get to acquiring you know, bits outside of um, there's a the daily airdrop where if you provided information, uh, like you can answer a fun question about yourself and- Uh, When you answer that question, you get bits and you can literally walk into a shop and buy a cup of coffee the same day with that currency.
1: So what's the buns exchange rate right now?
0: Yeah, we typically don't really comment on the value of bits. This is going to sound kind of wild, but we don't really know the true value of what a a peer-to-peer currency like this will be worth. But right now it's stabilized by us at about one bit per cent. Uh, So for every one bit, it's typically redeemed with businesses around for one cent.
1: And why would businesses want to hop on?
0: It gives businesses an opportunity to interact online and offline with customers that they otherwise wouldn't be able to. So it creates new opportunities to engage with customers. Mm -hmm. Everyone's favorite question when you tell them you have a bartering economy is how are you going to make money? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to advertise to us? And the answer is um, no, not in the way you think. Mm -hmm. What people use on the Buns app today is this thing called Daily AirDrop. And there's about 20,000 people that do it every day. Mm-hmm. What it does is it, it gives us the ability to ask you a question and you can answer that question and you receive bits as a reward. Right. One function of, of revenue, there's, and there's a number of them
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we're working towards is how do we enable businesses to act, ask you a question. You decide you're not, you're not being asked the question. If you don't want to interact with it, you don't have to, but if you answer the question, you know, you're going to get bits and you can go probably buy a coffee or save it up and buy like a pair of Nike shoes or something like later. Mm-hmm. Um, so Uh, The way it works is if we sell bits to a business, a certain percentage of the bits that they purchase will go to the company, but the vast majority will go to the user. So it flips the advertising model on its head by saying, okay, we're going to be responsible for bringing businesses and enabling them to connect or brands, enabling them to connect with our user base. Yeah. But when they do and our user base engages with that, that brand, the user gets the vast majority of the value. The paramount thing in designing solutions like this is that the users come first. Okay. Um, And so you'll see like And I can say with like a, you know, a very high degree of confidence that over 50% of the revenue that's generated from these businesses Mm -hmm. will be given directly to the users. Okay.
1: Um,
0: so I think it'll actually land somewhere closer to maybe, you know, 60% of the value is going to go directly to users. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think this, this comes from like the ethos of like pay people, not platforms. We we believe in things like that, where, um, you know, if you look back in 2008 and Airbnb was this amazing thing that came out that allowed people in a really bad economic time to monetize an asset and help make their life more sustainable Mm -hmm. through difficult times we think that data is the next asset class that will be, have that similar capability and function where people will be able to monetize it through a difficult time and be able to use it or even, or mm-hmm. even if they just want to make a little more value from it. Mm-hmm. But the key is, is that it won't be done in a way where the pat- platform is paid. It'll be done in a way where the user is is receiving the lion's Which share of the value. Which very
1: different and vastly, it's vastly different from what you're seeing now when it comes to monetizing data. Do you ever have anyone reach out to you about how the fact you're monetizing data We've ne- like- so we've
0: never sold it to anyone but yet. I
1: mean, you keep yeah. it yourself.
0: We do. Yeah. 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 People ask and we say we've never used it. Yeah. Right now, we're you know, if you want to engage with us and you get bits, uh, you're bonds, opting into it. Yeah. You're opting into it. And there's right. a, you know, there's a, a privacy policy you can read and, mm-hmm. you know, see how, you know, what it says. And if there's any change to that, we'll adjust the policy to make sure mm-hmm. it's clear and communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of conversations that happen about that. Yeah. But really the, the thing to kind of take away here is like, the opportunity, particularly around decentralization and some of these ideas that are yeah. being kind of created with cryptocurrencies, is that um, you have an asset, and that asset is your data. And businesses want to access businesses and brands want to access your data a and lot of you money for it. Yeah. and The key, though, is that what we're doing is we're making sure you get the vast majority of the value. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, our objective is to get to a point where you get all the value. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, That would be the best case. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think to do that and to build that and to learn enough to be able to do it effectively, we have to start in a place where we can sustain what we're doing and sustain the home for buns to be able to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we take a very interesting approach to the way we look at yeah. I don't really
1: I'm trying to think I can't think of any other platform or company that's doing what you're doing. It's so interesting. Yeah. do you think others will follow in your footsteps do you, do you actually engage with people who are like, okay, I want to yeah, people reach the... out to me
0: a lot and ask like how we're going to do this and yeah. smart business minds like people who are really, really well respected in a number of different like spaces in academia and math and yeah. um, I think like yeah it's, 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 it's hard to say that I don't think there's another example of it. But I think that generosity as a company will actually be the best business model, um, and that means to me like finding a way in, uh, to enable users to monetize this, this kind of value uh, in data. Um, and the, the problem right now is, is because you have no say in how your data is used, it's grossly underpriced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think what we're going to see is a, two things, a correction in the value of data mm-hmm. and a correction in the way that, in the, you know, you decide who interacts with you and how they interact with you right. and you get compensated directly for that in a way that you can immediately go and use. And that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, how did you meet your partner? Uh,
0: my my significant other? Yeah. Um, I met her at a coffee shop.
1: Aw, that's uh-huh. so old school and traditional in like a really interesting way, because everyone I feel like is like, Takara, you got to go on... Like
0: this app or that app. Yes. Yeah. No, I just met her at a coffee shop. And, and, and uh,
1: how long ago, if you don't mind me asking?
0: Uh, a year and a half ago.
1: Wow, so the dating apps are very much a reality oh, when yeah. you met.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a common friend of ours worked at the coffee shop and yeah. they were chatting when I came to order coffee. And uh, she worked at a co working space. Yeah. Um, just attached to the building. Yeah. And uh, I walked in and bought a desk uh, because we Aww. needed some more space. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'd like to take you to dinner and. One, you know, kind of just went from there.
1: This is a rom-com story that I would <laughs> love to see on the big screen, but I'm not sure I would believe it. I feel yep. like I would see it, and I'd be like, "That won't. That doesn't happen in real life."
0: Yeah, she, she said that. She's like, "This all seems <gasps> too good." Right? Yeah, yeah. That's oh how gosh. it happened. Yeah, she's awesome.
1: So before that, you never tried dating apps?
0: Briefly, I think yeah. very briefly, and I was. I think I just became like really quickly. I was like, "I'm not into this. Yeah, this is not my thing." It's um, not,
1: yeah. yeah, it's not fun. It's honestly not fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. It feels too much like shopping. It feels like way too much exactly. like shopping. Right? Like,
1: yeah, you're always thinking like, okay, I like this person, like but maybe there's someone else who I have more in common with that maybe would be better suited right. for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then there's people who have like bots that like auto swipe. Yeah. You know, there's like there's apps on apps to like make you more efficient <laughs> at, at, at like fi- finding people that you yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess that's Uh, part of yeah exactly it's part of life today yeah
1: I feel like our like children's children will look back and be like that's so sad and pathetic how
0: it's a little it's a little um, what's a black mirror right oh yeah Uh, like algorithmic matching of people Mm -hmm. and it's it's, have you seen that episode
1: I have yeah but I mean I think in a in a at a time when everyone is so has such little free time that I I can understand why it's become so popular. It's you a problem. Have yeah, it's a problem. You don't have a lot of time to like, you know, go to the coffee shop and meet someone and not know whether you have the right. I think that stuff still happens. I common. think you just have to know
0: when to like, you know, um, seize the opportunity hmm. and kind of like be, you know, have that mentality of like,
1: yeah. But you're so busy, and it's interesting. Yeah. You feel that way,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: You could ideally meet... I mean, obviously, it worked out for you. you met someone at a shop and it worked out. You guys are adorable. Mm. I haven't even met her and I like... you're Yeah, my new, she's great. Her name is Lauren. You're my goal. You're yeah. like relationship goals already. Um, but, I mean, it could take a lot of time to meet the right person.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's also like, you know, I think a lot of us are craving like more in real life interactions. Like, Very true, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. so I think... I don't know. I think it's just a mentality is a good mentality. The healthy mentality in my mind is to like take the opportunity when you're there to say whatever it is you want to say to the other person so that you can, walk away, knowing that if there isn't another opportunity, then you, yeah. you, you, you know, you got to express something positive to them.
1: It's interesting. You're talking about real life interactions, considering where you work and what you do for. Yeah, a living. yeah, <laughs>
0: totally. Yeah. It feels. Yeah. I feel it,
1: like I'd be remiss not to point yeah, that yeah, out. Yeah, totally.
0: As soon as I said it, I was like, oh God, <laughs> this is so like, she's going to call me on this. Yeah.
1: A little. Maybe a buns dating app is in the near future.
0: There's a dating zone. There's a buns dating zone. But like
1: an app that's just yeah. like the next Tinder, the next Bumble. Based on what you buy, we or gotta you focus. trade.
0: Ruthless prioritization is the game, right? <laughs> uh, to be efficient at delivering product. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, the Acura Innovation Series. When you envision the future, what do you see? Self-driving cars, jetpacks, rocket ships. Why is it when people think of the future, it comes down to how they get around? Tireless risk takers. Acura is working to craft new answers. No matter what the future holds, they'll be striving to ensure the driving experience never forgets the person behind the wheel or jetpack handle. Visit Acura.ca to discover their current lineup.
1: Okay, so you spent eight years in financial strategy at TD and now you work at a company founded on the principles of not using money at all.
0: Like I I actually really enjoyed my time at TD Bank Financial Group. I had a number of really cool roles there and they afforded me the ability to develop my understanding of how to execute on product roadmaps or work with certain technologies or build business models like I got to benefit and learn from really smart people there. But I think I hit a point where I was like, this just doesn't feel like it's what I'm supposed to do with my life. I feel like um, I wanted to do something that could really, you know, introduce a new variable in the equation of how things work rather than, you know, refine or, you know, create more revenue on something that's existing.
1: And so how did your family react when you told them you're going to leave TD? Very dependable, stable job for what is essentially a startup? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was like, it was less than a startup. I mean, it was like, it was a startup, but it was like, we were putting our own money in to build an application that we had no idea if anyone would want to use. Right. Um, for sure. they were like, uh, this is a bad idea. (laughs) 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 They're like, uh, we love you, but, uh, I think you just need to rethink this, but it was too late. I think, I think I already pulled the trigger and kind of said like, you know, this is what I decided. And, um, I'm very fortunate to have, kind of have parents that are really interested in my um, my own personal well-being and happiness. Um, so they were supportive and really quickly. I think the first any kind of reaction is that we're almost trained that like, oh, banks are safe jobs.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: like, it's kind of hard to say whether or not that's true. So mm-hmm. I don't, I think there's maybe some fallacy in that.
1: And your parents, are they entrepreneurs? Did they work uh, my in My dad business? was,
0: yeah, my dad was. Uh, my mom was not. Now my dad lives, uh, he's actually just back from Spain. He's in Toronto and my mom lives in Florida.
1: So your dad was an entrepreneur. So you kind of, he already knew some of the hardships you might oh, yeah. face. Yeah. Did he totally. give you any advice?
0: <laughs> I think he patted me on the back and was like, well, good luck. You know, like, uh, <laughs> you, you know what you're in for. Yeah, um, he, yeah you know. I think he's, he's always been so kind and, you know, and he's very complimentary and he's, you know, he, he could tell that I was ready. uh, So he was supportive.
1: And putting in your own money, that just seems so incredibly scary for lack of a better word. I
0: think it was. And I think, but it's also like, you have to have skin in the game.
1: And so I imagine in the early days though, you were working a lot. It was incredibly stressful. How did you maintain that personal work-life balance?
0: Uh, early days and now haven't it hasn't changed. Um, I still work just as much, if not more. Um, I don't have a very good work life balance, admittedly. Going to um,
1: ask for tips. That was my follow up. Okay. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think uh, I wish I could give you some great advice on that. I, I don't think I have very, very good advice on it because I struggle with that. Hmm. Um, I definitely, you know, I, I I'm very, I, I. I, I when I I have an opportunity to commit myself or my creative craft or my skills or my my understanding of something I I really want to go all in Mm -hmm. uh and I I I think it's what's required at times is really kind of investing more than you expected to be able to achieve these kind of uh new heights in in a business so um but I try to balance it I try to you know you know, my partner and I, we walk the dog and kind of take certain – there's certain things we do together. We, we agree that those things are always together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that really helps for sure.
1: And so like many founders, you have really long days. So is there something you look forward to every day that helps keep you balanced
0: I look forward to the work, actually. I really do. I think, like, there's this common misconception that, like, the work is a slog. It's not. It's the best. It's literally the best thing I could have ever decided to do with my life, even though it's incredibly difficult.
1: So then walk me through a typical day. You wake up at?
0: Probably, like, 7, usually a little earlier than 7 a.m., and uh, I'm at the office pretty early. It really quite ranges, but I think the day usually wraps up around um, probably, like, 5 or 6. I'm usually out of the office. Maybe a little later, 7. Um, and I'll go have dinner and then I'll get back to work for, um, probably another four or five hours. And usually around two, three, two, three in the morning, I'm in bed.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how do you keep that going? Are you a, a coffee addict? Oh or- yeah.
0: Yeah. I would say I drink a lot of coffee for okay. sure. Favorite I coffee. Do. Ooh, uh, probably strange love. They accept bits.
1: Oh, <laughs> nice plug. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you just live off coffee. There must be some other
0: I take naps. Secret. I definitely. Oh, okay. So you yeah. take
1: naps throughout the day. Oh yeah, for oh, sure. Usually, Usually
0: one nap a day for about 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah.
1: And that helps you get through the day, helps you maintain the levels you need until the 2, 3 a.m. deadline.
0: Yeah. 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 I'd say um, there's usually like at least one point in the day where I'm like, I've had enough and yeah. I'm kind of like, okay, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just kind of literally close the door in of my office and just pass out for 20 minutes and yeah. then wake up. My girlfriend says I drink too much coffee. I think I like the, that's a, that's for sure. She's constantly like, uh, you need to cut back on that.
1: So the next section is what I like to call rapid fire. It's one of my favorite favorite sections because pretty much all I do is ask you a bunch of questions. You have to answer as quick as fast as you possibly can I'm
0: really bad at this you're gonna
1: be no you're gonna do great I can (laughs) already tell ready sure what is your greatest fear
0: disappointing my community
1: what do you do for fun
0: Uh, surf in the lakes
1: what motivates you
0: making people's lives better
1: what's your perfect day off
0: late fall uh, walk in a cold breeze like outside sweater weather
1: what is your pet peeve
0: having to tell someone something twice
1: what's the one word your friends would use to describe you determined what's the last thing you bought
0: It was a solar cell. It was a 12 volt solar cell. Why? I built my own house. You built
1: your own house.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It took me three and a half years. I have a small obsession with like using materials to reuse the materials and be environmentally friendly and sustainable in the way I do it. And so I bought a solar cell in a backup system that I want to start testing to see what I can scale up in terms of uh, moving the house to like a semi. um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Where is this house?
0: Uh, In the East End by the beach. Okay. Yeah
1: i didn 't expect that answer, yeah, I love it okay. yeah,
0: I make things that 's what I do, I, yeah, I, 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 by nature, I make things that 's just my function. I like making things.
1: so how do you have the time if you 're up until three a m in the morning yeah. to build a house?
0: I find it actually quite soothing the work uh, when you work with you know without your hands um, in, in, you know, on a computer all day. Uh, I actually find, like, an hour or two in the evening Mm -hmm. working on something in a slightly repetitive way is actually quite soothing.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Do you ever make stuff to trade on buns?
0: I don't make stuff to trade on buns. I make, like, I have an obsession with, like, highly complex objects. Um, So, like, I've built motorcycles. I've built cars. I've built a house. I've built, um, you know, torn apart boat motors from 1922 and restored them. It's it's a really strange uh, thing. It's, like, the deeper the complexity, the more satisfied I am with the problem. Um, and as soon as it's completed, I find very little gratification in actually possessing it. Mm. Um, so I have traded things. Actually, I did trade one, uh, boat motor, uh, that I built on buns. Um, and that took a while. Um, but I just didn't, I don't have a boat. Mm-hmm. So, and it's an old, like two, four, two or four horsepower boat motor from yeah. 1930s or something. I think I actually was just really looking to get rid of it cause it was taking up so much space and it kind of had a, a little a bit of a leak out of the gasket. Mm. Um, I think I got like. Oh, geez, I don't remember. I don't remember if it was like a box of records or if it was like maybe some... I can't, I don't remember. I think I've done like, I don't even know, probably like 190 trades. So it's hard to hard to pick them all apart. Yeah. I remember the faces of people. That's the funny part.
1: What was the last thing you traded on buns?
0: Oh, a uh, humidifier. Okay. Yeah, I had like this simple... Just, I actually <laughs> still have it. I haven't marked it as trade complete, but it's a humidifier.
1: Okay. Cool. Uh, well, since you have your phone out, what are you keeping your eye out for on buns right now.
0: I was eyeballing this like couch that I really, it was a sweet couch. <laughs> it was like really nice. And uh, I think they wanted like 30,000 bits for it, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's a pretty sweet deal.
1: What's on your in search of list? What are the things that you're looking to purchase, barter, trade?
0: Probably like solar cells, um, someone to help me catch. There's a possum living in my backyard. Okay. And I think I'd like someone to help me catch my possum. If, if you hear me out there, <laughs> hit me up on the Buns app. My handle is zero cool. <laughs>
1: next section is what we like to call the big three. I ask you three big questions about your career and your personal life. Can you tell me about like one big mistake that you've made throughout your career, but ultimately helped you?
0: They all help you. I mean, from the banking side, I, I you know, I remember I'll never forget one mistake I made where uh, I had to move money between a large sum of money between a, uh, something called a general ledger. Okay. Which is kind of like a bank's bank account. And it was was being moved in different currencies. And I think in that transaction, I remember going into my boss's office, who's the VP or senior senior vice president or vice president at the time. I can't remember. Oh,
1: that sounds stressful.
0: Yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I just lost, like, you know, I made a mistake in the foreign exchange in the general Mm -hmm. ledger. And um, I remember she looked at me and she was just- How much was the loss? uh, I don't want to say the number. Okay. Give me a ballpark. A lot.
1: Okay. More than a mil?
0: pretty close. Okay. Yeah. It a little over, maybe a little under. I can't remember. Okay. But, uh, she looked at me and she said, did you learn from this? And cause she could see that I was mortified on my face that I had done this. And she's like, did you learn something from this? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like never do this again. And she's like, okay, well, as long as you feel that this is something you've learned from, then it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking away being like, man, I wish I could be a leader. Like if I'm ever a leader one day, I hope I can approach things as cool as she did mm-hmm. um, because it did carry it with me. Um, and in terms of buns, mistakes, there's been a lot of different things we could have done better um, mm-hmm. or could have focused on earlier. Or it's, it's really tough because you've got competing priorities. But I think ruthless prioritization is probably mm-hmm. a really important piece in kind of deciding which way you're going and, and really setting a, a very clear vision and and. You know, getting consensus around that vision and executing with like a lot of uh, integrity in terms of your, you know, ensuring that you're doing it for the right reasons mm-hmm. and legitimacy around why you made that decision.
1: So do you have a, a ritual that helps you unwind?
0: My girlfriend's got me into like making mint tea. Like we have a mint bush in the backyard and we just pull a bunch of mint branches and make mint tea and that helps a lot. If I want to focus on something, I have a different ritual.
1: Oh, okay. What's that?
0: Um, I play the same song on repeat over and over on headphones on full volume.
1: What is this song?
0: Uh, it depends. So usually it lasts about a week or two, um, but the repetition in the same song repeating over and over actually allows you to focus quite well. It's actually, I looked it up after, because friends made, used to make fun of me. People in the office still kind of poke fun at it. Yeah. But uh, you can look it up on the internet. It's actually a proven way that people, and even Tools of the Titans, I think a couple people from you know that book yeah. uh, talk about it it's just a way to get into like a slightly meditative state to focus on something you're working on last week it was uh, creature comfort by arcade fire and this week's song is uh, loading zones by kurt
1: file you're so fascinating so you listen to the same song on repeat yes on loud to help you focus yes yeah what's the most beloved thing you've ever traded for on buns?
0: the thing that i traded that i kind of like almost regret trading
1: Sure, let's go with that one okay,
0: uh yeah, it was probably so I had a magn- like a nineteen it was like seventy eight magnavox record player, and it was a suitcase it was it was actually my my father's he's gonna be so upset when he hears this, uh, I posted it, and it was just like immediately flooded with like people saying, "I want this, I want this, yeah. I want this, and so someone painted a mural on the back wall of my driveway or something like that, okay, yeah, it was a pretty good deal,
1: I felt like I, I felt like. <laughs>
0: I felt like I... Feel like that
1: like you still feel like it was a good deal? Yeah,
0: yeah for sure. Yeah. I feel like I, you know, you know when they, when I met them and I, I gave them the record player, you could see it on their face that they were like, Aww. this was like amazing for them. Yeah. And I was just happy to kind of have it no longer in the home. And yeah. I was really excited to have some artwork done on the back wall.
1: When you were 10 years old, what did you think you'd be doing at your age? Yeah. And What do you think 10-year-old Sasha would say about the work?
0: He'd be really... He'd be really just. proud. Yeah, he'd be really proud. I think this is exactly what where I what I you know people who know me very well are like this is what you were born to do um, because when I was about I think I was about ten or twelve I applied to work at eBay. eBay had just launched and it was like a big deal in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I applied to work there. Like I sent the email to like Pierre Odemir, or Omidyar mm. I think his name is uh, you know to say like hey like this is so awesome. It was like the second day that it launched and I was just obsessed immediately with marketplaces. Um, And, you know, I think when you look at the trajectory of what we've seen in historically as well, like, you know, we had eBay and eBay connected PayPal and it became an an easier interaction. And then Amazon came along and Mm -hmm. they brought more inventory online and they created a one click payment solution. And that was the the next kind of evolution of marketplaces. Mm -hmm. I think what we're going to see next is, uh, you know a localized marketplace with new inventory from retailers and businesses mm-hmm. and the ability to pay in cryptocurrencies and or with your value you know new new kind of uh, assets and value like yeah. data like data.
1: So but what did you when you were 10 years old what yeah. did you think you would you would end up doing?
0: I thought I'd work for like this is going to sound so a silly. At 10 by the way. 10. Yeah. I thought I was going to work with robotics or Maybe for like, you know, like a secret service and like an intelligence or something. Yeah. Um. You know, I, 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 I can
1: see that. I can yeah. actually picture, yeah, 10 yeah. year old Sasha saying that.
0: Yeah. 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 It was, it was probably like a little bit like, you know, yeah, I'd say it's somewhere between like, building robotics or working on technology or yeah like secret service or intelligence or something cool like that i always thought mm-hmm. that was really interesting and i ended up studying peace and war strategies and i thought maybe i'd still go down that road interesting. um and i didn't uh, but you still
1: you still can
0: yeah no You're i'm not young. Yeah. Uh, no, i'm too busy with buns
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> a big thank you to sasha for sharing his story now we want to hear yours make sure to hit me up online. I'm at Takara Small on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email the show at podcasts at com. I'll Go First is a Vocal Fry Studios production. It's executive produced by Kieran Rana and Katrina Bolak with editorial assistance from David Michaels. For more stories about entrepreneurship, visit the com. Subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll see you next week.